welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And we're here today to talk about the new film, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Yeah, so Paul Rudd is Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, and uh, Evangeline Lilly is uh, Hope Van Dyke, or The Wasp. And uh, the movie opens in San Francisco, where they live. Scott is... uh, uh, written a book about his time with the Avengers and defeating Thanos and all that kind of good stuff. And then he is hanging out with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas's characters, uh, and then his daughter as well. And his daughter's built a machine that gets them all sucked into um, the quantum realm. And if none of this makes sense to you, then that means you haven't seen these movies before or you've you've slept since then. So I, I get it. <laughs> but anyway, they get sucked into this world called the quantum realm. And it's a really strange environment. They see lots of different things. And they run into uh, the main villain of this movie, who is uh, uh, played by Jonathan Majors. And he's known as King the Conqueror. And yeah, I mean, it's an MCU movie. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of it? So I've always been a fan of the um, Ant-Man films. The first two I thought were pretty pretty great. I think they're probably my favorite um, of the MCU, actually. Uh, and one thing I liked about them is the humor that they had. Um, there's a lot of side characters who are funny. And, you know, the particular powers that Ant-Man has, you know, making things big and small and making himself big and small. It, it was kind of ripe for kind of funny or interesting situations. So I really enjoyed them. Um, and I also enjoyed the fact that they were relatively low stakes. You know, all the, in, in many of the Marvel films, you know, we're, we're saving the world, we're saving the universe. Or, but yeah, the stakes were always much lower. And it just, I don't know, made for kind of a just a smaller, intimate movie. And I enjoyed that. Um, virtually none of that is in this movie. <laughs> Um, we don't have the humorous uh, side characters that we've had in the previous two films. Um, and the movie is, for the most part, pretty serious. Um, there's a big a big baddie in this quantum realm. Um, Kang. Kang. And he's, uh, yeah, the stakes, again, are huge. You know, he essentially if 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 they don't stop him then you know universes are going to be destroyed it's 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 a huge you know huge stakes so i don't know okay so there's uh, there's that it's not like the previous ant-man movies and so i'm a little already i'm a little not on its side um okay but that said um there are things i liked in this movie um Michelle Pfeiffer is in this movie a whole lot and I liked her character and I like kind of finding out a little bit more about her and her, her experiences. And I thought she was really cool and I've always been a Michelle Pfeiffer fan. So, um, but, uh, I also really liked some of the, some of the characters that were introduced to in the quantum realm. So it turns out that, you know, at this, in this realm, there are all kinds of different creatures. It's a bit, you know, I've heard people compare this to Star Wars with all the different kinds of alien characters. And that's kind of true. And it's some of them are pretty cool and interesting. So there's that. And I like some of the... There's there's actual ants in this movie. I like how they incorporated ants into the film. Um, and some imagery that kind of ties to, to ants in some unexpected ways. 
So, okay, I liked all that. What I didn't like, however, is that for me, the movie dragged a couple of, for a couple of different scenes, I thought just went on forever and were very boring. And I found, to be real honest, I found King, the the villain, to be not very interesting. Um, so that kind of, that kind of killed the movie for me. Yeah, you were telling me that before we started recording, and you mentioned how you, you felt the same way about his character or variant of his character that we saw in the last episode of season one of Loki mm-hmm. was on Disney plus. And I kind of had to agree with you. Like, cause I think you talked to me when he appears in Loki, it, everything just grinds to a halt, mm-hmm. but he goes on for a long time. I, mean, I remember thinking that I'd forgotten about that, but you reminded me like, that uh, that last that season finale of Loki is a lot of Kang talking, and in the one hand you want to kind of find it interesting, but on the other hand it was sounded almost a little too gobbledygookish. Exactly, and that's he has like a couple of big speeches in this movie, and it's all about time, and it it just drags on forever. It feels like time has stopped, mm-hmm. and it, it is kind of gobbledygooky as you say, and it's just I don't know, yeah. it, I don't like it. And, and I mean, I'm actually somebody who is really fascinated by, uh, as my YouTube history will attest, I watch Neil deGrasse Tyson videos and videos with uh, uh, other scientists and think I'm, uh, 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 you know, watch this about gravity and time and and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, those are subjects I'm interested in. But I mean, the MCU, I mean, they're just doing it in uh, in a way that's I don't find terribly serious. And yeah, it, it does sound like gobbledygook. I don't know. I'm not, I'm just not pulled in by it. Yeah. You know, the, the quantum realm is a very interesting kind of subject and I can understand how, you know, um, it would be intriguing to try to set, uh, an adventure story here or some kind of science fiction story in this place where time and space don't behave the way that we understand them. Um, so that's a, that's a neat idea. I don't know that this movie really succeeds in doing that. I mean, it, it, it kind of just every, I mean, the whole movie is basically a big computer generated spectacle, uh, you know, a that looks of, like it and it looks computer generated, yeah. you know? Um, but you know, they just, they, they try to do some weird things with, I don't know. Yeah. There's a, a couple of, you know, star Wars type scenes that were, I mean, in my head, I was hearing Star Wars quotes. Like, there's a scene where they walk into a place that looks straight like out of the cantina, and and you know the first Star Wars movie. And I heard that one guy who threatens Luke. He's like, "I don't like you. I don't like you either," or whatever he's saying. And then you know, um, there's a scene where somebody's dying, and I mean, I was just quoting Darth Vader when he's dying. He's like, you know, tell your sister you were right about me, you know. And it's just a little too derivative and. There's a, there's a character here, Modok, and you know. So for a few years back in the midst of time, I, I was a big comic book collector, mostly of Marvel comics. So I am familiar with a lot of the characters we've seen in the MCU, including Kang and including Modok. Uh, who Modok is a very interesting looking character, and it works in the comic books because they're comic books. And I feel like it used to be that the MCU did a really good job. One of the things they did a really good job with was taking comic book characters and 
making them look like in a re- in the real world, quote unquote, you know, or, or, or in, a, in a live action movie, making them not laughable, right? Because a lot of a lot of comic book characters, you know, you just kind of put them in, in the real world and they look a little silly. But the MCU managed to not do that. Except I feel like they've been falling down on that a little bit lately. And Modok, Modok is a little. Uh, Modok's got a huge head and a small arms and, and legs. And in the comics, that works. I feel like if you're going to do it well in in live action, I feel like they needed to do something a little more tactile with the face part, like make it a animatronic thing. Or do something like that. This is a completely CGI, some a real actor's face stretched out. I mean, the audience busted up laughing when he came on screen in, in, in our uh, when we watched it tonight. And there's a couple other scenes Modoc has, which I think are supposed to be like dead serious, and people were laughing. Mm. And ah, so I don't know if they really stuck the landing with Modoc. Um, you know, Jonathan Majors, I, I like Jonathan Majors uh, okay. There's a lot about this movie that if you, you, there's different ways you can judge it. You know, if you're judging it as just its own standalone movie, I think it, it it's okay. If you're judging it in context of the MCU, it reminds me that I feel like the glory days of the MCU are behind us. I mean, I don't know if they'll come back to that again, but... Um, it's not a bad movie, but it's not great either. And it's, and it, I don't, it, I find it a little middling. It, like, you know, it, it does look very fake in the sense of CGI. I mean, and again, the, the CGI is not bad, but it's also not completely convincing for me. And I noticed that as like in Thor, Love and Thunder, when they go to the realm with all the gods and Zeus and stuff. Um, I, I think Paul Rudd is very charismatic. I think he does a great job in this. I mean, the, so the you know uh, Paul Rudd, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas—they're all great um, in this. I think Evangeline Lilly's fine. They don't give her character enough to do, in my opinion. Catherine Newton is the new actress playing uh, Paul Rudd's daughter in this. I thought she was she was good. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's fine. I'll tell you what I'm worried about. And and here's the thing. You know, movies don't exist in a vacuum. Nothing really does, right? Uh, so it's kind of hard not to, not to judge it in that way. And one thing I will say is, King, most people know, King is going to be the new big bad villain. He's supposed to be the, you know, the Thanos of, of the this, this era that we're in of the MCU. The interesting thing about Thanos is... They had him appear only, I think, like three times before Infinity War when he took center stage. And those three times, I think they were all or almost all of them were post-credit appearances. So you sort of had a little taste of Thanos. And then, boom, here he comes for real in Infinity War. Kang, they're just doing, they're just jumping, boom, we're getting full-on Kang right now. We had him almost all of the last episode of Loki season one. And now he's in this movie quite a bit. Uh, Ant-Man of the uh, Quantum Mania. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I worry about that he'll become like uh, Negan in The Walking Dead, where they brought him in as this big baddie in in, uh, in the, the end of one of the seasons. And then he just was there for like two or three years. 
and kind of wore out his welcome, in my opinion. And I think ratings will also show that as well. And um, I don't know. So by the time his main storyline was over, I was like, okay. People's interests have kind of waned a bit. And I was just like, okay, move on. So, I don't know. Jonathan Majors, I thought, did a good job. But, I don't know. I'm just like, I guess we're in for a few years of Kang. <laughs> we'll see. Well, and unlike Negan from Walking Dead, I find Kang to be a bore from the get-go. So, I'm particularly um, apprehensive about these future films that he's in. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he did a fine job, the actor, but... Um, just the dialogue that he was given and yeah, this character just doesn't interest me. In fact, the dialogue throughout the film, there was some really bad dialogue and there were some unearned, like emotional, um, scenes. Um, I don't know, perhaps I, I should, there was a lot of like emotional scenes between, um, Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, and then his daughter, Cassie, that I don't know, just didn't seem really earned to me, but uh, but there, yeah, throughout the film, there was some eye rolling dialogue I felt. Um, so yeah. Also, there's a couple of post credit scenes, mid credit and post credit. So I guess stick around for those. Uh, it's, it's just, I, I have heard people say that both of those are really good. I, the, the mid one, I just made me groan. I, I feel like. I feel like this movie was just a bit much and that mid credit scene in particular. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. One thing I will say, and, and I'm on dangerous ground here because, you know, I'm not a person who like rewatches a lot of these MCU movies. And so it's been a few years since Ant-Man two. And so it's been a few years since I watched Ant-Man two, but I seem to remember at the end of that movie, they were kind of messing around with, um, a machine to kind of tap into the quantum realm. Um, and Michelle Pfeiffer's character who had been in the quantum realm for 30 years and been rescued from it. She was part of that, you know? Um, and now all of a sudden in this movie, because the plot requires it, you know, she gets upset with Scott Lang's daughter for creating this machine that's tapping into the quantum realm. And she's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, yeah, you weren't, all that worried about it back in Ant-Man <laughs> 2. And then the other thing is at the end of Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man gets sucked into the quantum realm. And he, that, you know, if, as anyone knows who's seen, um, I think Endgame, he's in there for like five years. And then I think a rat or something accidentally <laughs> lets him loose and he comes back out. And so, I mean, Ant-Man spent some time in the quantum realm. But in this movie, because I think, again, the plot requires it, He's acting like, I mean, they do, one person does reference him as having been in, or welcome back at the quantum realm, but Ant-Man acts, he acts like he's never been in there before. Mm-hmm. Everything that he's seeing is just like new and amazing to him. And I'm like, you were in the quantum realm for five years. You know, I don't know. Maybe there's something I'm not getting, but it's just. <sighs> yeah. I mean, you may not be getting it. I'm not getting it either. And I imagine a lot of perhaps casual viewers won't be getting it. Because it was something I thought of, too. Like, yeah, wasn't he in the quantum realm? Why is he Why is he treating it like he's never been? And why doesn't he know any of the history that Michelle Pfeiffer knows if, mm-hmm. if he was there? So, yeah, that was bizarre. Um, and, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I felt like 
for a lot of the movie, I was just kind of emotionally removed from it. And I think, I think a lot of that might be a result of the essentially pure CGI nature of it. I felt like when there's nothing real that you're looking at, it's really hard for me to engage completely. Um, and I, and I thought about that several times and this is not what you're supposed to be thinking about as you're watching the movie, but you know, there's some, some scenes where I'm just like looking and like, Oh, this is all CGI and there's some action. There's action going on and stuff that I should be caring about, but I'm just like, Oh, this is all computer generated. There's nothing real nothing I'm seeing. This is basically a cartoon mm-hmm. and it just takes me out of it for some reason. And I, I don't, I don't get emotionally involved. Yeah. Bill Murray is in this. Um, I mean, you you know that if you've seen a trailer for it. But um, in my opinion, he was not in it enough because I actually liked him when he was in this movie. Mm. Um, thought he he kept my interest and I liked his character. I liked the uh, history he seemed to have with Michelle Pfeiffer's character, and we didn't get enough of him. Uh, that, that for whatever reason, like that was. Uh, something that I was like latching onto when I was watching this, one of the few things I was latching onto. And then when he left the movie, I'm like, no, oh, wait, wait, come back. Um, and you know, whatever. So yeah, it's weird. I mean, I'm, I'm really talking this down. I, I'm going to be clear though. I mean, it was entertaining enough for me. I mean, I'm just the side of like giving it a positive review. Yeah. Same here. I feel like I've said a lot of bad things, but I did start, you know, this this review by saying that there were things that I liked and um, there definitely were. So what would you give it out of 10? Uh, six out of 10. Same here. So it is a six from us and we'll go over the Rotten Tomatoes score. But so leading into that, because some people get confused about how Rotten Tomatoes works. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is just based on like an aggregate of how many people find the movie good or not. Right. Um, so their score uh, for critics is a rotten 48%. And that's not an average. It's just saying, hey, 48% of critics like this, so less than half. And then 84% audience score, meaning 84% of audience folks who voted on here liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also in that audience camp. You know, we, we, we like I said, we're just this side of liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, you know, we saw this movie with our friend Aaron, and something I said to him, and I'll say it here um, on, on our way out, is I feel like the MCU is becoming a bit more and more for comic book nerds. And I, I don't say that. It sounds like I'm saying that negatively, and I'm not because, I mean, I'm someone who was a comic book nerd, right, um, and, and, and got a lot of enjoyment out of them. But I'm saying it in a negative sense only in that the, the comic book nerds only – comprise a certain percentage of the population. And the way the MCU has made its bread and butter and made its money is from regular people being able, you know, finding them accessible, the movies accessible and going to see them in droves. And that has made the MCU such a big success. I feel like more and more like, and they were smart when they started the MCU, they focused more on the, um, more down to earth, literally down to earth, real like heroes, like Iron Man, Captain America, that sort of thing. Um, but like now, as it's gone on, particularly in these last couple of phases, it is just they're tapping into Marvel Comics more um, sci-fi elements, more like otherworldly elements, um, and 
I just, my concern is that um, they're going to start losing regular people, right? Yeah. <laughs> mass audience, mass audiences. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how this movie does at the box office. All right. So it's a six from us. Thank you for listening. Bye.